You're listening to the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network. This is Drive Time with Travis Wingfield. Back to throw Tua, looking. Flips it down the wide open! <laughs> Touchdown, Tyreek Hill! Unbelievable! Just flew by him for a second time. Tua knew where he was going right away. How the hit is that, little man? I really hope you soon jump on his bandwagon. Waddle, waddle. To a shotgun, back to throw, looking, steps up, fires, touchdown. Okay. It's Waddle. His sixth touchdown six pass touchdown of the day. Drive time with Travis Wingfield begins now. Let me check your pulse if you're not fired up. What is up, Dolph fans, and welcome to the Drive Time Podcast Part of the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network covering your team, your Miami Dolphins. How's it going, everybody? I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and on today's show, Game Week. And also one of my favorite shows every single year, it's the season preview show where I predict every record across the NFL, division champs, wild cards, season awards, world champion, all the good stuff, plus... How about the weekend that was in college football? I've got some notes on that. Plus, we're going to hear from head coach Mike McDaniel from the Baptist Health Studios inside the Baptist Health Training Complex. This is the Drive Time Podcast. First, though, before any of the juicy stuff we have coming up on today's podcast, Robbie Chosen is back to the practice squad, and that rounds out the group. I believe I dropped my podcast about an hour last week before we had a bunch of names come out on the practice squad. And look, I I get mad about it on here all the time. I'm not sure why I do, because you guys are not the folks on Twitter. You guys are my ride or dies listening to this podcast, but I still get upset about the idea that I get called a homer all the time on the podcast, and maybe there's a little bit of that in there, but I also feel like I'm a very objective fan of this team that can highlight where I think there are shortcomings and where they need to be critiqued in certain areas. So I say all that to preface the fact that I think this practice squad is really damn good. And doesn't that kind of jive with a roster that I think is really damn good, which you might see reflected later on in this podcast. So the full practice squad chosen an NFL receiver, man. I, I thought he was number seven going into the cut down day and that bared fruit eventually in the end there. But I do think that he is capable of playing at this level and is a really nice, you know, practice squad call up type of option to have there in your back pocket in case of an injury or for particular game plan specific that week, whatever you might want. I like having chosen in that position and he's home and happy and hopefully that makes for the best version of Robbie chosen. So the full guys that are here from, or the practice squad guys that are here from camp that stayed with us, Ethan Bonner, Tanner Connor, those all rhyme. Cameron Good, Deshaun Hand, I think is a, a great player to have just kind of waiting in the wings to pull up for, you know, 15, 25 snaps on game day. I've talked about this in the past. Ideally, Christian Wilkins, Zach Sealer, and Raekwon Davis are just good to go for, you know, 60, 60, and 40 snaps a week. and You don't need anybody else, but probably not realistic to get that. So having Deshaun Hand waiting in the wings to get called up for a couple of times, maybe he gets a full-time, you know, uh, raise and gets the contract to the active roster. I like having him here in camp, though. A.J. Johnson was that late signing, got cut a few days later, but he's back on the practice squad. Similar situation there, depth, knows the system, knows the defensive coordinator. Those two guys, I think, are going to be critical parts of this roster that contribute at some point in the season 
season. And, you, you know, critical may be overusing that term, but I think that those guys are going to come in and impact games that maybe we win that maybe put us in position to, you know, achieve our ultimate goal, which to me is a critical piece of your roster. Braylon Sanders working back from the injury. He's back on the practice squad. And then the two undrafted rookies, James Tunstall on the offensive line and Alame Uliave. Uh, newcomers. This is where I get pretty fired up about this group. Tight end Nick Bowers. I mentioned running back Darrington Evans out of App State. He went to the Titans out of college. And I thought he had an explosive passing game ability as a running back. Not very familiar with offensive guard Chasen Hines from the Patriots. He was cut this uh, training camp. He's now here on the practice squad. Safety Joshua Kalu is a special teams missile and a guy that plays 100 miles an hour downhill. But the guy that I'm most fired up on this list, there's actually two of them, but the guy that tops the list is nose tackle Rashard Lawrence. He can play. Like, this guy is, to me, your fourth defensive tackle. I would probably assume that he's going to run out of those elevations pretty quickly because I think that he can come in here and give you 15 snaps where he plays that zero tech or that one shade and just eats up the interior of the offensive line and creates all those chances for guys around him. Love, love, love Rashard Lawrence's game. And Travis, why did he get cut? Well, look at what the Cardinals are doing across their entire roster. They are shedding off good pieces across the board. For what? Well, we'll talk about that here in a moment because college football has a bunch of good uh, quarterbacks right now in their landscape. And then wide receiver Riley Webb and outside linebacker Chase Winovich, a former second-round pick Chase Winovich, who's a pretty damn good edge rusher in college and had some moments with the Patriots, kind of faded away into the ether when he got traded to the Cleveland Browns, but he is now here in the system playing more of that true, you know, 3-4 outside rush linebacker and maybe gives you a chance at some, you know, sub-package rush options when you have to get into your depth if guys get nicked up throughout the year. So, I think this practice squad is damn good. There's NFL players all throughout it. Deshaun Hand, A.J. Johnson, Darrington Evans, Joshua Kalu, Rashard Lawrence, and Chase Winovich are six guys that I think, and chosen, so seven guys that I think are going to play games for you this year, if not more than that. Tanner Connor, I like him. Cameron Good might get a call up at some point, too. Uh, I think it's a very good practice squad. We also got captains. And how far have we come from 2021's captain list, which I don't have to remind you guys what that was, but... Uh, the captains this year, Tua Tungavailoa, no-brainer there. He's the leader of this football team. Tyreek Hill, he sets the standard every single day by how he works in practice. Teron Armstead's a coach on the field. He is a third captain. Christian Wilkins, I think the way he addressed that press conference and congratulating his friend Zach Sealer pretty much tells you all you need to know about how he works, and he's a great example as well. Xavier Howard has really developed his role as a leader on this football team over the last several years. Javon Holland is the guy they kind of all point to in that defensive backfield, and Alec Ingold. I think that's pretty much six of the same guys from a year ago, if not mistaken, and then Alec Ingold, uh, also a team captain this year. So Tua, Cheetah, T-Stead, Christian, X-Man, Javon, and Alec Ingold are your team captains. Uh, Coach mentioned the team captains in his press conference on Monday. Let's go ahead and play that sound for how that selection process plays out. So that's something that um, we, we, we do uh, a player-driven vote that, um, that the locker room really comes up with, which is one of the reasons it's, it's such a s- special honor to each and every one of those guys because it's um, voted on their most important um, on the, on the most important really person person of opinion in um, the building that's that's their peers in the locker room. We also got injury updates from four key pieces: Jalen Waddle, 
Brandon Jones and Devon A-Chain all going to practice on Monday, which obviously puts them in great uh, great position to play in the game on Sunday. No Teron Armstead on Monday, but I think you would start looking at Wednesday for when you start trying to evaluate whether or not he will go for that week one game. He has talked about that being his mission, his uh, target date all along since the injury back in Houston. Didn't practice really all last year, but got out there for games and was awesome. So keeping checks on Teron Armstead. You know, I'd rather have him healthy for the, the length of the season opposed to this game. But if we get him back, obviously that would be great against Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa. Uh, last thing before we get to the college football weekend, Coach addressed the backup quarterback position, which goes to Mike White. I think that was a no-brainer. You guys on this podcast know how I feel about that. Here's Coach on the backup QB for the Miami Dolphins. Informed him late last week we'll be going with Mike White as the backup to start the season. Um, feel super fortunate in our situation. It was kind of uh, what we we're hoping for is, you know, we've, we've learned the hard way that you, you need available uh, players on your roster just in general. And I thought Mike White and Skyler competed all the way until the last rep. Um, and when it really came down to it, I thought they both made just cases. Um, but for our football team and really adhering to exactly what a backup quarterback needs to do they'll they'll you know I'll be active each day but to be able to understand um our system in such a short period of time that Mike White did and the command that he really that he exudes in the huddle and you know you're you're solving an imperfect puzzle as a backup quarterback where uh you don't get any of the reps during the week and have to uh, master uh your situation your craft um Repless. So I think uh, uh, relying on Mike White's veteran experience and really all the growth that he did this offseason made me feel pretty comfortable with that. College football weekend, baby. So first things first, the Pac-12 was 13-0 from week zero to week one. USC won two games. The Cougs ran rough shot over Colorado State. I think it's going to be fitting when the Pac-12 has potentially the best season of any conference before it dissolves next year. Or it sounds like it could be a two-team conference for Washington State and Oregon State, which means, what, one game to get into the college football playoff every year? I'll take that. Uh, but I'm going to be insufferable talking about the future of the Power Four conferences or however it's going to shake out. Honestly, I don't really I don't dive that deep into it. I'm just mad that Washington State got left out when they are better than, substantially better, I should say, than a lot of the programs that are remaining in those power four conferences, not to mention Oregon state, who's number 18 in the country right now on the outside looking at, let's go ahead and start in that conference at the premier position, because all the good quarterbacks right now, for the most part are in the pac 12, Caleb Williams from USC. He has unreal creativity ability. And that seems to be the theme right now among the college landscape. My goodness, these quarterbacks are evolving in a way that I'm curious to see how it shakes out in the next 10 years or so. But all these kids have been practicing their Patrick Mahomes throws out in the backyard and look, at the risk of sounding like the old man yelling out of the cloud, it just doesn't matter that much. I know we're breeding a generation of analysts like the TikTok guy who thinks that quarterback plays about arm strength and nothing else. But go back and watch all the great quarterback performances this weekend. And what did you see time and time again from all of them? Shador Sanders torched the Horn Frogs from the pocket. 
by the way, he, eventually he's QB1 whenever he comes out. I just love the way he places the football, the poise that he shows, the athletic ability obviously is there, the way he handles the big moment. He, as the kids say, has that dog in him. I am so impressed by him. The pedigree is a big part of it. You know, I think his dad's a little bit of a crazy person, but in a good way that should benefit him. Big fan of Shadur Sanders, man. I thought Williams and Drake May from North Carolina were exceptional, whooping up on that South Carolina team that just couldn't block for uh, Spencer Rattler, but Rattler's, you know, he ain't in it either. Um, but those guys are going to be one-two off the board this year, no doubt about that. You can kind of pick your, you know, pick your poison with what you want to go with there in terms of what you like. May reminds me of like Justin Herbert, and then Williams is such a playmaker. I don't have a comp for him yet, but man, he's fun to watch. And I should clarify that I'm not anti-arm strength. I just, I really kind of do this. I did it with Ryan Tannehill. I've done it with Tua Tungavailoa. I'm going to do it with arm strength now. It seems to be the next thing where I go heavy the other way to try to sway this public opinion. But I just think the arm strength is pointless without the other traits. But if you have it with the other traits, that's how you get Dan Marino. That's how you get Patrick Mahomes. So it is worth noting, you know, that it's a valuable trait when you have the other stuff to go along with it. It's also worth noting how much easy gas there is out of this crop of quarterbacks, man. Did you guys watch the Tennessee game against Virginia on Saturday? I'm not sure I've ever seen a football jump off a hand of a quarterback like it does for Joe Milton. Maybe Mike Vick. Goodness, he, he had a 65-yard air yard throw where he, it looked like he was just kind of getting warmed up. It's crazy. I don't know. Kind of like Anthony Richardson last year, though. The ball takes off on him a lot. And that's where I kind of come into this whole like developmental segment here where it's so critical to get these kids in a place that can facilitate their mechanics and not just foster good mechanics, but avoid creating bad habits early on. As here I go making golf comparisons once again. They don't. They say that when you're having a bad session on the range, don't just keep hitting and hitting and hitting bad balls because you develop bad habits and bad mechanics in your swing. It's the same for a quarterback. It's very tough to reconstruct a player's framework from what got them to where they are. It's why it's so important. Like It's not about when you get drafted, but where you get drafted, right? I know you've heard that before. It's so critical where these guys go because if you go to Dow Loggins, good luck. But if you go to, you know, Daryl Bevel, big difference. But imagine getting those traits curated early on, kind of like Tua was with his pops, but then obviously at Alabama with Nick Saban and Brian Dable and Lane Kiffin, an all-star ensemble he had there to make sure those mechanics never got lazy and drilled and repped them every single day. I digress on that point. Quinn Ewers from Texas, also on that level. Michael Penix, I liked him at Indiana. I love him at UW as much as I hate to say that. Such a smooth and easy throwing motion to push the ball vertically. He torched up Boise with that awesome receiving core the Huskies have this year. Pac-12 is awesome, man. That's going to be a fun year in the conference, uh, the last year in the conference. I really, really like Jordan Travis from Florida State. Similar to Sanders, he has the poise and composure, control of his huddle and the football. I thought he makes really good decisions where he just kind of throws the ball into the soft spots of the coverage. And then Washington State, bum, 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 bum. 50-24 over Colorado State. That game was early, was over early. But quarterback Cameron Ward is not going to be a first rounder. I thought he had a chance to be, but coming back, just watching this one game, there's still some deficiencies in his game that have to get ironed out before he gets to the professional level. Might not even be a day two pick, but man, the ball is up and out. Quick release from him from any platform. He's got Jalen Hurts running skills, and I think he's going to be the developmental prospect that everyone clamors over this year. Uh, in this year's class with regards to he's got the physical traits. We just got to get it all 
packaged up together. So I'm, I play both sides of it there a little bit. I like the physical traits, but if I want an NFL quarterback, you better be able to win from the pocket and above the neck. Uh, good week for the Pac-12, great week in college football. Some more names I liked, Wisconsin running back Braylon Allen's a first-round pick if they'll still exist at the running back position. You want your Jonathan Taylor redo? He is it. Downhill freight train that has speed and power. My goodness, what a monster he is. I think he's only a true sophomore, too. Speaking of absolute loads at the running back position, how about UTSA running back Kavorian Barnes? He had a touchdown run against the Houston Cougars where he was stood up at the three and just powered his way into the end zone. He's 5'9", 215, a modern-day muscle hamster. Love the speed of Louisville running back Jawar Jordan. He had that house call that put the game away against Georgia Tech. Uh, what else here? Utah safety, Cole Bishop, back to that Gator game on Thursday night. Sorry, JT, our, our resident in-house Gator here, watching the Gators get beat up by the Pac-12 power Utah Utes. Uh, but Cole Bishop, Kind of reminds me of Javon Holland, man. He's He can attack the line of scrimmage. He can play coverage. But mostly the instincts he has to play his job, but also come off of that and make plays outside of structure. Whew, he's good. Had a sack against the Gators as well, where he timed up his blitz beautifully. Uh, I mentioned Travis. Oh, I did not mention Travis Hunter from Colorado. I mean, cornerback one. Put him on the board right now. Take him first overall. That guy is an absolute freaking monster. Dylan Edwards, the freshman running back. Oh, boy. He looks like a nice piece down the line, maybe for this team in the future. And finally, just love the Florida State game. I love that they kicked the crap out of Brian Kelly because those videos are so cringe of him dancing with his freaking recruits. Yuck. Uh, but they killed the transfer portal, didn't they? That Keon Coleman receiver, like three tutties in one game, nine for 122, smooth runner after the catch with that kind of size, keeping an eye on him as a potential future number three for the Miami Dolphins, maybe. Uh, that Florida State team in general, just really damn good. That defense on the opening stand down around the goal line, just waves of rushers and interior guys that play low, you know, Verse, uh, the, the rusher Verse, 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 he's going to be a top 10 pick at some point. Despite some mental errors, I thought that uh, Patrick Payton looks the part of the modern day edge rusher. But man, fun weekend in college football. They've got Duke and Clemson tonight, so looking forward to that. Let's go ahead and take our first break right there and come back on the other side and talk some NFL football. I'm doing my picks, my season awards, my division champions, my world champion, all that fun stuff. That's next Drive Time Podcast. Your host, Travis Wingfield, brought to you by AutoNation. Hey guys, it's Ray from the Bobby Bone Show here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Let's go! Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain from the road to the hills to the trails all over. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating, up to eight passengers, yeah. And with available features like the panoramic moonroof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer. Check out amazing national sales event deals on RAV4s, Highlanders, and more. Visit buyatoyota.com. That's buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Tis the season for football, Dolphins. Join your Miami Dolphins for our season kickoff party at Oasis on Saturday, September the 9th. Fans can enjoy giveaways and a guest performance from Grammy-nominated DJ Audien. For more information, visit MiamiDolphins.com slash kickoff today. 
Let's do some predictions. One of my favorite segments of the entire year. I think about it all off season. I draw up my wins and losses to get to 273 games before I officially write it down and make my official predictions for the upcoming season. Close last year, Eagles over Bills. Uh, made the mistake of underselling Kansas City after the Tyreek Hill trade, but that won't happen again this year, at least not in the regular season. Let's go ahead and do the awards first. My MVP, I'm not going to pick against Patrick Mahomes until he like isn't around anymore, I guess. My offensive player of the year is Christian McCaffrey. I just love, love what he's done to that position, to that offense. I think that he was kind of the guy that got them over the hump last year, of course, until they got banged up in the NFC Championship game. My defensive player of the year is Jalen Phillips. Go talk to a wall about it. He's going to have 15, 16 sacks. He's going to make impact plays for a Dolphins team that's going to go pretty far. Comeback player of the year, DeMar Hamlin. Uh, there's nobody else. Offensive rookie of the year. This is a tough one, but I'm going Zay Flowers. I think the Ravens' offense has a chance to be explosive this year, and I think that he could be the number one by the end of it all. I just don't buy into Odell or Rashad Bateman the way I do him. Smooth mover, great speed. Uh, seems to have a good connection so far with Lamar Jackson and camp. Defensive rookie of the year. I didn't love the choices here, but I'm going Lucas Van Ness from Green Bay. I think he's going to slot in right away and beat people up on the edge and get a bunch of sacks and put himself in position to win that award. The coach of the year for me is going to be Ron Rivera. Why is that? Because I have the Washington Commanders in the playoffs. You said, what? Yeah, that's what I did. Let's go ahead and get to my playoff predictions here, my season predictions. Let's, let's start in the NFC, actually, because let's make it more exciting to wind down. We'll go backwards and read the NFC West first. Seattle, 11-6. and six. San Francisco, 11-6. and six. The Rams, 5-12. and 12. And the Cardinals, 1-16. and 16. This has the Seahawks as the division champion, the two seed. Probably going to regret that. And the Niners as the five seed. So no team has flipped me more than the 2022-2023 Seahawks. I talked about in the draft episode how tough of a time they've had finding hits in the draft, but that all changed last year with one of the best rookie classes really of all time. I like this year's class too. San Fran could go 14-3, and but you see my theme here. I know Purdy played well, but I, I think there's a lot of positive surrounding circumstances that helped that. If he does it again, I won't ever question it again, but I just think that there was a lot of luck involved in that run they had last year, but also such a loaded team. They're going to be there in the very end. The Rams in transition with like 40 rookies, whatever it is, I I like their ability to get coached up, but with Cooper, without Cooper Cup to start the season, Stafford is off injury. That's going to be the real key there. I just don't trust him to win a bunch of games this year. And then the Cardinals cutting McCoy and rolling with Clayton Toon and maybe Josh Dobbs, the guy they just acquired last week, gives me some pause on their ability to compete. I think it's going to be a long year for them out west. In the NFC South, uh, the 10-7 and 7 Saints win the division, get the three seed. The Falcons just missed the playoffs at 9-8. and eight. The Panthers, 5-12. and 12, The Bucks 4-13. and 13. As you can tell, I think there are two tiers in this division, and the teams within them are impossible to separate. I go New Orleans because of the quarterback experience with Derek Carr. I think he's in that underrated category, the same as Cousins and Tannehill and Dak. I love Atlanta's roster, but we have no idea at the quarterback position. And I don't frankly believe that much in Ritter, but I think they could zig on teams that have loaded up to stop the pass with a great offensive line and the best stable of backs in football. I think Carolina is just not going to be good yet. Their offensive line was terrible in the preseason and they just don't have a ton of weapons after DJ Chark went down next year team for me. And even then I'm not a big believer in Bryce Young either. I like the Bucks roster a lot, but I, I just used to be super high on Baker Mayfield. I'm not anymore. He's been on multiple teams the last few years. So the NFC South shakes out that way. The NFC North Green Green Bay is my division winner at 10 and 7. They're the four seed. Detroit 8 and 9, Minnesota 7 and 10, Chicago 6 and 11. I think that those records kind of reflect the parity in the division. Like you could probably 
flip a coin and pick your winner here. But I just think that Jordan Love is really good and don't care what else there is about that. Like, I think he's awesome. Uh, they had some injuries last year that I thought should have make them run the ball more. I think they will this year because their quarterback's not going to insist they make it go through him because he only cares about himself. I think they're going to, you know, win with a young quarterback who has all the talent in the world. And I like that defense a lot too. I hope Detroit wins it, but I never like buying the hype of a team with that trajectory the first year that everyone expects. I'll probably pick them to come back next year and win the division. But I always it always seems like the big expectations to make that jump from like sweetheart team into division champion. It's usually a first year letdown, but I still think there's talent all over that team. CJ Gardner Johnson is going to make a big difference to that defense. Minnesota lopped off a lot of key parts, but I like their coaching staff and I think that Kirk is underrated. Plus Justin Jefferson is just impossible to stop, but that defense was a tire fire a year ago and they didn't do much to change it. They, They obviously changed the system, but the personnel, I just don't see it yet. And then a four-win improvement for Chicago, who has a super young defense. I I like Justin Fields to establish himself this year as well. In the NFC East, I have the Eagles at 13-4 as the one seed, the Dallas Cowboys 11-6 as the sixth seed, the Washington Commanders 10-7 as my seventh seed, and the Giants fall to 8-9. Three playoff teams once again. I know the Eagles lost a lot, but they also brought back a lot of the parts we thought they might lose, and they're just loaded and have drafted for future problems that gave you... Oh, you lose Javon Hargrave at age 31. Here's Jordan Davis and Jalen Carter ready to replace those guys. That's kind of how it is across the board. The offense is not going to be stopped with that offensive line, with that quarterback, with those weapons. Dallas is a team that I absolutely love this year. I'll be interested to see how they change going from Kellen Moore to Mike McCarthy. I think that's a big downgrade, but the roster is still so good. Just loaded on defense as well. I'm a big Washington Commanders guy this year, even though I don't really believe in the coach and quarterback. Uh, but that seven seed is really up in the air to me in the sense that anyone could nab it. And so I'm just kind of going off the reservation here. I think they have the weapons to help Howell hit the ground running and a, a front on defense that can beat teams up. I think the Giants are better, but I thought last year's schedule helped them get the double digit wins. Now they have a very tough road. Good test for Brian Dayball and company. AFC West, Chiefs 14 and three. They're the one seed. Sorry, Dolphins fans. Chargers 10 and seven are the seven seed. Then Denver 7 and 11 and Vegas 6 and 11. Learned my lesson last year with regards to picking against Mahomes. I will not do that again this year. I don't care what the surrounding parts are. He's the best quarterback of all time. He's going to win most games that he plays. The Chargers, I think, could easily be a 14 win team, but I feel like I've been saying that since like, 2008 there's no reason they can't be other than charger luck they're loaded and because of that hesitancy i'm just going to split the difference and put them in the postseason with 10 wins i think both denver and las vegas are better but really really tough schedules i think people are sleeping on the las vegas offense and that denver defense has been good for so long now out in the south Gosh, this division's terrible. Tennessee, 9-8, 4C. Jacksonville, 8-9. Houston, 7-10. Indianapolis, 5-12. It's all basically them beating each other is what I have. I think people are sleeping on the Titans. That's you know what's new for Ryan Tannehill and his career. The most underrated good quarterback for the last 11 years. They were ravaged by injuries last year. Still were in a game to win the division with Josh Dobbs under center in that last game of the year, and they were close. They, the Jags couldn't score on them. Mike Vrabel, one of the best coaches in the NFL, and that defense is still sick. They will not go quietly. Kind of in wait-and-see mode on 
on Jacksonville. I think the offense is awesome. I think Doug Peterson has turned things around there, and Lawrence and Ridley is going to be awesome for them. But I think there's just so many questions on defense uh, that didn't really address it from what they had a year ago and had some major droughts last year on offense too. Big believer in two things with Houston, D'Amico Ryans and C.J. Stroud. I just think they're a year or two away. A soft schedule here in this division helps them get to seven wins, but I think gone are the days of them just being a big circled win on your calendar. That defense could be good right away and Stroud can play. I think Anthony Richardson is going to be good, but it's going to take some time. He had like 60 more college pass attempts than Trey Lance. This will be a good year for him to just get reps while they work to discover who his weapons will be long-term. I'm curious to see if the offensive line bounces back from a rough, rough year, and then who steps up on that defense. AFC North, Bengals 12-5 as champs, the three seed. Baltimore 11-6 as the five seed. Pittsburgh and Cleveland both go 8-9. and nine. You could tell me anybody but Cleveland wins this division, and I can see that case. Although the records, you can see that I have two clear favorites, and that's honestly a kind of a coin flip to me. Burrow missing all of camp and how he began last year off of missing camp makes me think there could be a slow start there in Cincinnati, but the dude just wins, and they are talented as hell. I don't think enough is made of the loss of Bates and Bell, though. Those guys played 98 and 99% of the snaps on defense in one of the tougher secondaries to grasp and operate. And they're going to be replaced by Nick Scott and Dax Hill, two young players there. I'm so intrigued by the weapons that Lamar has this year in Baltimore. I think Zay Flowers is going to set the league on fire as the rookie of the year category that I put him in. And if they can even stay healthy on defense ever, they're so good back there. They got healthy late last year where impossible to score on down the stretch. Get that for 17 games. They could be really good. I like Pittsburgh's defense and the way they remade the offensive line. Kenny Pickett is already better than I thought he would be, but we got to see it before making him you know, ranking him among the top quarterbacks in this conference. Not saying he can't, but he's not Mahomes, Herbert, Allen, Tua, Rogers, Lamar, Burrow, Lawrence. He's not those guys yet. Cleveland has a case for the most talented roster in the damn conference, but it just hasn't clicked for that quarterback. And I suspect that Karma will never let that happen. Uh, but I want to see him play before I get him any any uh, estimations. AFC East, Miami wins it, thirteen and four, two seed. Buffalo eleven and six as the six seed. Jets nine and eight. Patriots six and eleven. The toughest division in football for my money. Look. I believe in this team. I believe I believed in what they were doing going back to the initial start of the rebuild in 2019. They've brought talent at every position, multiple guys that can impact games in multiple ways and give you different avenues to victory. Run game, pass game, defense, it doesn't matter. I think we're well coached. I think we're as talented as anybody in the league. I think we have one of the best home field advantages in football. And I think last year's experience is going to go a long way into fortifying this team's toughness and resolve. I think people saying Buffalo's window is over is outside their minds. The injuries we talk about that Miami had last year also applies to Buffalo. They had one of the game's top quarterbacks and coaches and getting Poyer and Hyde back on that defense is massive. The first six weeks or so are going to tell me the story of the Jets this year. Brutal start, and I think a slow start could make that honeymoon phase come to a close real quick with that quarterback. But even if it does, it's a talented team who I expect to be there to the very end. I think the Patriots are a are better than a six-win team, but six games against this division, playing the NFC East and AFC West. It's a tough schedule, and I think they're the, the biggest unknown in the division at the moment, but that seems to be where Belichick thrives. I think Bill O'Brien's a big upgrade of what they had a year ago. So that's your division standings. Let's go ahead and take our last break right there and come back and tell you who's going to go through the playoffs. We'll also hear from head coach Mike McDaniel. All of that next. Drive Time Podcast, your host, Travis Wingfield, brought to you by AutoNation. Hey guys, it's Steve Cavino from Cavino and Rich here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new Toyota truck. 
Like a rugged half-ton tundra. Workhorse by nature, powerhouse by design, the tundra combines raw capability with premium comfort and advanced tech to fuel your wildest adventures. And with the available iForce Max Hybrid powertrain, you can take electrifying horsepower farther than ever before. Or check out the fully redesigned Tacoma delivering trail-dominating power and captivating style. The new Tacoma was born to make your off-roading dreams come true. And with the new available tech, this legendary truck is getting even better. When you buy a Toyota truck... You buy Toyota dependability, meaning your truck will hold this value long into the future. So visit your local Toyota dealer. Check out the amazing national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Tis the season for football, Dolphins. Join your Miami Dolphins for our season kickoff party at Oasis on Saturday, September 9th, where fans can enjoy giveaways and a guest performance from Grammy-nominated DJ Audion. For more information, visit MiamiDolphins.com slash kickoff. We left you with the playoff predictions. Let's go ahead and get to it. In the NFC, the Commanders lose on the road to the two-seeded Seahawks in the NFC. The Cowboys go on the road and top the Saints to get a road playoff victory. The Niners do the same thing in Green Bay and advance into the NFC Divisional Round. There, the Eagles top the 49ers for back-to-back years, and the Cowboys beat the Seahawks to get into the NFC Championship game. In the AFC side of things, the Chargers lose on the road to the Miami Dolphins. In fact, we're going to get three road teams to win in the playoff round. The Ravens over the AFC South champion Titans, and the Bills go on the road to avenge their loss to the Bengals a year ago. This gives us the Bills at the Chiefs. Give me the Bills to pull the upset. We're going to have a a playoff season full of avenging losses. So the Bills get their big one over the Chiefs to make it to the AFC Championship game. And the Dolphins top the Ravens here at home in the AFC Divisional Round to get to the AFC Championship. That means it's Bills at Dolphins and Cowboys at Eagles. Give me the home team in the AFC. The Dolphins down the Bills and down their... I guess the team that kept them from getting over the hump for the last several years. And then the Cowboys go on the road and get a win in Philly and give me the Miami Dolphins over the Dallas Cowboys in the Super Bowl. You heard it here first. Look, I think Miami's going to be very, very good. I think the AFC is maybe the best a conference has ever been. And predicting playoff games at this stage in the month of September is impossible. And literally, I think any one of those teams I picked in the AFC could go. But I'm going to take us because why not? We have the roster. We have the quarterback. We have the coaches. Let's go do it. Let's go ahead and finish up the podcast here with Coach McDaniel. We're talking Chargers game. We're talking game planning and X's and O's and matchups all week. I've got tons of audio already from Ty Greek, from Christian, from Javon on playing this Chargers team. We're going to hear about that on the Wednesday preview podcast. Let's go ahead and hear from Mike McDaniel on facing the Chargers and what they saw in the game last year to help them prepare for the game this year. It definitely comes uh, comes up over the course of the offseason at least one-seventeenth of the time. Um, you know, divvied up amongst the other uh, the other games but no there's uh there's things you learn you al- you always have to be careful about um making too many absolutes a lot of times there's uh you know those are game specific um situations whether that your health the opponent's health um where you're at in the season what you're good at what you're bad at um bottom line was i thought they did a great job last year um uh, in those two teams, last year's teams, um, you know, they did one of the better jobs um, all season. But that uh, the, this is a new new year, really, is the way I kind of look at it. You do learn um, 
certain things about uh, individual players, maybe play calling, um, uh, you know, degree of tendencies. But, you know, week one has a, a great way of kind of like equalizing that because, you know, you're kind of, you have all these things um, on your side of the ball, whether your offense, defense, or special teams that you've been working on to unveil. So there's a little balance of that. I, you know, we will be watching last year's game, but um, not uh, with too much weight relative to the guys we have now and, and what, what we've been emphasizing this offseason. I kind of feel like we're going to find out about Mike McDaniel a little bit. Not that we don't know him already, but I think you're going to learn about Coach on this game on Sunday because there was some salt there in that press conference that I quite enjoyed uh, when he was asked about the Brandon Staley plan and kind of laughed about it. Like, I think this guy is not so much, you know, the nice guy that we all want him to be in terms of how he attacks things. I think you might get a version of Killer Mike this week. I'm looking forward to seeing it. Let's go back to that game and, and hear more about Coach uh, facing a team that gave them you know, issues this season. You know, I think um, the, the season – and its entirety was motivating enough, um, not just one particular game. I'm sure um, from an individual standpoint, players often um, harbor those individual matchups, those, um, hey, it's man-to-man coverage and I'm covering you and you're running this route, those types of things you develop, um, you kind of have a memory of. And, um, but, but overall as a team, you know, we're we have been focused on the Miami Dolphins for um, every every day since we've gotten back together um, in 2023, and I I'm pretty positive that um, af- up until this game and then after this game, most of the guys are going to be focused on the Miami Dolphins as well. So it, to not making more of one individual opponent. Um, it's more about us and how it relates to us. Um, I'm sure there'll be a, a couple. Hey, I'm going to get you this time. You got me last time. But that's kind of the that's kind of the um, case with all these. You heard NFL Coach allude games. to a couple times there the idea of kind of winging it, not winging it, but kind of being chaos in week one in terms of not knowing what to expect. I wanted to ask Coach, how much do you lean on your assistant coaches in those situations in a game where you just don't have the film on the team from games prior? The best. Um, staves uh, are the ones that, you know, it's, it's not just one voice. And the, the more we're around each other, the more we understand what um, each, and, each one of our um, pros and cons um, skills and um, maybe things that we can help each other out with. That, that's an ever-moving piece that the strongest ones are the ones that can really uh, utilize each other for the, the benefit of the the whole group and not just each and every entity. So I look forward to that. Um, I could feel it in the preseason. It was one of the uh, better orchestrating um, coaching staffs that I've been on in, in the preseason. So I'm excited for the residuals of that moving forward this year. Let's go ahead and finish up with the thing I alluded to first there, the laugh about the Staley plan. Here's Coach McDaniel. It wasn't like they reinvented um, defense. It was more that their their guys understood their issues in each individual coverage and really played um, in a competitive spirit. I thought there was a lot of um, 50-50 balls that went the way of the, um, of the Chargers last year. Um, and, I, and I just really thought overall that the, that the team itself took, a, you know, took that game with, its, with seriousness and you could see a, 
see a unit that was well coached and well schooled at the the opposing team's um, offense in this case. So I, I just thought they were very competitive and and did a, a very good job challenging things that we were trying to do that particular game. Man, we are almost there, and I cannot wait. Dolphins and Chargers Sunday at 425 out here in the East. All right, tomorrow, Jordan Rodriguez joins me to break down the Play Callers podcast. Been looking forward to that all summer. Plus, Wednesday, the game preview. Thursday, we're going to have a Chargers beat writer on here to talk about the game. And then Friday, plenty of open locker room content and all kinds of fun, irreverent Dolphins content. Fun week coming your way. Week one, almost here. In the meantime, that's going to be my time. Subscribe, rate, review. Check out the podcast. Check out the social medias, at Winkle NFL at Miami Dolphins. Check out the Fish Tank podcast and our YouTube channel for Dolphins Today and media availabilities. And last but not least, MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, fins up. Caroline Cameron, Daddy's coming home.